Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and i got to be honest with you, I cannot believe that we're just a couple weeks away, basically from Thanksgiving. Um, just, Harley, tell me, man, where did the time go? Well, Thanksgiving is one thing. We're a couple weeks away from the playoffs. That's true, too. I mean, it feels like Melvin Gordon held out like last year now. Well, you know, he kind of did. Because he didn't do a whole lot down the stretch last, and he didn't do a whole lot early on this year. But uh, we're, here we are. We're watching the Monday Night Football game between the Kansas State Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers de Mexico in Mexico, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see Melvin Gordon do a little something in this game because he'd be the type of guy that uh, you know if, if he can get some value these next couple of weeks, you might be able to trade this off season. Uh, knowing, of course, that you don't know where he's going to end up playing. That's true. Um, the other thing that I'll say, and I'm as stubborn as they come sometimes, and that's my probably one of my biggest faults, but I drafted Melvin Gordon and A.J. Green this summer on one team. And, of course, I have not fared very well. But here's the key with this, with this league, which is the Flex League, which I won a couple years ago. The last playoff spot is not based on roster. It's based on total points. So I'm kind of like not really there, but I'm close enough that, hey, with a couple big weeks, I could make a splash. Am I going to have a chance to finally get A.J. Green and Melvin Gordon into my lineup before the end of the year? I really doubt it with A.J. Green. At this point, he has no reason to play this year. I mean, realistically, he already knows he's not going to be there next year. Uh, when you look at the Cincinnati offense, it's, it's Ryan Finley. And e- even in a blow-up potential matchup this past week, he could do absolutely nothing. Uh, I actually overplayed him. I overplayed Auden Tate. Uh, and, and realistically, if I'm the Bengals, you, you kind of want to continue to see what you've got with the guys like Tate and Alex Erickson, who both have had good showings the last couple of weeks with Finley at the helm. Yeah, but you know what? I still am not cutting A.J. Green. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm too stubborn. So I'm going to ride those two guys on my bench or play Gordon when I can and just see if I can't pull a miracle out. Maybe A.J. will come back for like week 16 or something. I don't know. But I'm with you. I don't think he will. Well, even if he does, do you really want to take a wide receiver uh, in week 16 when they haven't had a single game of playtime until that point? Yes, because my luck is if I leave him on my bench, he'll score 40 points. Speaking of scoring 40 points, um, I don't know if this person scored 40 points, but last week we had a decent week um, DFS-wise. LJAC's hit for me at quarterback. I told you I liked Breeze, but not enough to play him because of legs. Um, And I said, you know, you can always have a wide receiver that is worth playing, but the quarterback's not, and Michael Thomas was worth playing, and Breeze really wasn't. But you played Cook, didn't you, in a couple lineups? At running back, and I had him as my uh, stay Delvin, away. I, I snuck him into a couple lineups. Yeah, he saved he saved his day with some catches and a and a touchdown. 
Yep, uh, and it, it was it was kind of painful to watch because uh, they they did succeed in, in basically taking him out, and I, I really thought that the Vikings would use him more in the passing game early on, and they weren't. Uh, then he finally got a couple breaks in the second half there. And, and to say the least, I mean, the Vikings' offense as a whole was completely moribund in the first half of this game against against Denver. So uh, it was good to see them turn things around in the second half. You know you know what else was pretty bad? I didn't have that game. I had the I – was, I was keyed in on the Houston and Ravens game. And you know what was horrible there? The officiating. <laughs> Did you see? I, I did see a few uh, questionable uh, posts on Twitter regarding the uh, Ravens uh, Houston game, but uh, in general, it, it was kind of an interesting game in that I really thought that both sides would be effective moving the ball, and both sides would put up some huge points. And, and the Ravens defense really took it to Deshaun Watson, despite the fact that Houston got Laramie Tunsil back this week. Well, if you remember, I had my two stay-away quarterbacks, um, Kyler and Watson, and I wound up saying I, wasn't, I just couldn't stay away from Watson necessarily. I wouldn't recommend him playing him, but I used Kyler as my stay-away, and that was a mistake. But I was onto something when I said that I was looking at Watson as my stay-away. But I'll be honest, that missed pass interference on Hopkins in the end zone, that could have turned that game a bit. And... When it happened, I took a quick video of it, put it on Twitter, basically said it should be, but I doubt that it will be overturned. Um, that tweet with that video, the video became my most watched video ever since I've been on Twitter. It currently has over 1.3 million views because it got picked up by a bunch of other um, Twitter users, I guess, and got my video a lot of looks. That just goes to show how much people despise the pass interference rules. Well, it, it became quite clear throughout the day that pass interference, uh, no one seems to know what it is still. Y even now that we've gotten into, like, we can review it and stuff, people still don't know what it is. You know, people used to say, I don't know what a catch is. I always felt like I had a good handle on what a catch was. I'm with you. I, I don't know. I know what pass interference is. I don't know what they will call pass interference. That's the problem. And what's, what the issue becomes is they basically now have found a way to put a rule in so people will shut up. But there's no way a coach is going to be able to, to – they shouldn't challenge pass interference anymore this year because you don't get anything more blatant than you're there early, you grab the jersey, you turn the player, and you run into them, and it's still not overturned. It just doesn't make any sense. I absolutely agree. You know, it does make sense. You're supposed to say what? Okay, what? <laughs> what makes sense is throwing it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz Podcast News. That's what. Thank you, Steve. Bears coach Matt Nagy pulled Mitch Trubisky from Sunday night's game for what Nagy called a right hip pointer. When asked about the hip injury following the game, Trubisky said, hip injury, that's the first I've heard of that. In other Bears news, Sunday night, Eddie Pinheiro missed his third kick in his last six attempts. BPN News can neither confirm nor deny the hinted rumors 
that Cody Parkey was spotted at the Bears practice facility this very morning. Coming into Sunday's game, Coach Cliff Kingsbury promised everyone that David Johnson and Kenyon Drake would split touches in their backfield evenly. Drake ended up touching the ball 22 times, while Johnson touched it zero times. At this point, if Cliff Kingsbury told the media prior to Week 13's game that Larry Fitzgerald had decided to prematurely retire while over their bye week, I would still put Larry Fitzgerald into all of my DFS lineups. <laughs> the Denver Broncos successfully allowed the Minnesota Vikings to upend them 27-23, despite a 20 to nothing start to the contest Sunday. I say successfully because unlike Miami, Denver knows that in order to tank for a higher draft pick, they actually have to lose the game. <laughs> and finally, Miles Garrett was suspended indefinitely for swinging Mason Rudolph's helmet into Mason's skull. Am I the only one to wonder what the penalty would have been if Garrett had just used his own helmet instead? This has been your BPN News Update. You know, that seems like it was so long ago, and yes, you're probably the only one to think that, but one of the things I said jokingly on Twitter, because I don't know that it's right that Rudolph didn't receive a suspension. Um, yes, Garrett was the aggressor. Yes, Garrett was wrong. Yes, Garrett crossed the line. All of that can be true, and I can still say, yes, I think Rudolph should have received a suspension. So what I said was two things. One, I think that the NFL looked at it and they said, well, suspending Rudolph is actually probably a plus for the Steelers, so we'll let him continue to play because that's probably the biggest thing that we could do to hurt them. And then two, I blame it all on Mike Tomlin. There was 14 seconds left in the game. He's the one that called the pass play. Why? Why? Why did he call the pass play? I, I can't answer that, but I was actually going to chip in with the exact same thing. I, I think it is kind of a penalty for the Steelers to be forced to continue to play Mason Rudolph yep. based on his uh, questionable play calling over the last couple of weeks now. And, and again, uh, say what you want. It, it, whether Pittsburgh truly believes he's the quarterback of the future, I don't really know about that, but... <clears throat> Uh, they did have a start or two earlier this year from Devlin Hodges, uh, the undrafted kid, and he actually looked fairly good. So I mean, maybe he's going to ultimately be the, the true quarterback of the future there, or maybe the quarterback of the future isn't on that roster yet. Or maybe, just maybe, Ben Roethlisberger remains the quarterback of the future. See, and I just... I'm 50-50 on whether I really believe he'll be back or not. I, I just I can see him walking away. And I do think that they need a quarterback. And I will say this, and I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, and I know a lot of the Pittsburgh fans came at me on Twitter when I said it, but how many of those guys would like to have that first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick back? Because while it may not be a high first-round pick, it's still a first-round pick, and it's still a, a bullet in the chamber, as they say, to try and do what you have to do if you see a quarterback you want to move up and get. Um, I just still think that they're going to regret that trade eventually. They, they might eventually, but I, I think that what we've seen this year with, uh, I mean, Fitzpatrick has literally given them two additional wins this year that in games that they would have lost if he wasn't there. That is true. And that's the other thing, too. If you truly look at it, 
that team that everybody thought was a playoff team, Pittsburgh fans are getting all excited. If you look at it, game by game, plays by plays, you see they're not that good. They're lucky to be what they were. I know that you know you are what your records you are what you say your record says you are, but there's more to it. Like that's one of the things that like if you're playing in fantasy and dynasty, I don't care what your record is. You got to know what your team is. And do I have it in me to make a run or do I really need to sell? Because I know that I don't have the team to support my six and two start type thing. You know what I mean? It's just a little crazy. But anyway, I hear, I hear you. And I, this is kind of the time of the season when you have to start thinking about that. I mean, if you haven't already determined that your team is out of the playoffs in your league, particularly in a dynasty or empire format, you, you have to you have to know by now. But if in case you don't, you really have to think about this week because. Uh, now's the time to start building your dynasty roster for next year if, if you are in a buying mode. Yeah, you just you gave me a good segue to get into what we're going to talk about this week. So we're going to have two segments. Of course, DFS will be one segment, and the first segment that we'll have is going to be um, playing for next year in dynasty leagues. It's quite that simple. So, you know, i, I got to be honest with you. It's hard to say I need to pack it in. Right, because we always want to be playing the win. But in dynasty leagues, you're not always playing the win this year. You're kind of trying to help play to win next year if you know you don't have a shot this year. Exactly. Now, I will also say this: um, Harley's mic has been a little rough this evening, and hopefully, he he's able to convey everything we want to convey going forward, and it doesn't become a problem. But you definitely had some issues there early, buddy. I don't know if the gremlins are in early or what, but. It was okay. It was good enough. I, I think I think my cat is messing with the with the Wi-Fi. Oh, is that what it is? You're gonna blame the cat and the Wi-Fi on the cat now. Yes, the the cat has been quite rambunctious tonight, so I, I'm thinking that he is somehow responsible. But yes, I I picked up a little bit of a little bit of robotic sounding coming from your end. I didn't know if it was your end or my end tonight, but. Uh, I, I, I've not had a problem conveying anything yet, and I don't think I've frozen up yet at least. No, no freezes yet, even though it's colder than I don't know what here, but no freezing yet. So let's, let's get into this dynasty um, talk. Do you look at your record and say, I'm mathematically still alive, so I've got to try? Or do you look at your whole team and go, realistically, I really can't make a, a push into the playoffs. I'll be lucky if I get in, or I don't think I'll make a deep run. What, do you, what kind of criteria are you using to decide if you're playing for next year or you're going to try and make the moves this year? I think that everybody uh, looks at things a different way. And for me, at least, I, I mean, I, I'm always trying to win money any given year. But I will usually know by week four or week five of the season if my team has a legitimate chance. And the key thing to that is not only knowing your team – but knowing the teams around you in, in, in your league, if it's a situation where your team maybe has a above 500 record, say like a six and five record at this point, but you look and see that there's four other teams with a six and five record in your league and they all have better rosters than you, your six and five record may not be enough to, to, to win you a significant chunk of change this year, in which case that's when you have to start saying to yourself, making that tough decision that despite the fact that your record is in fact a winning record, it's still probably best for you to maybe consider trading some of those veteran guys that aren't really a part of your future. And, and of course, I mean, obviously if you're sitting with a record of three and eight or two and nine, uh, 
by that you should know pretty clearly what your situation is. The, like I said, the hardest part though is when you find yourself in that situation where you've gotten above 500 record and you're still not in a position to win. Yeah. So here's what I'll say also. There, there are many different formats when it comes to Dynasty. Dynasty in its purest form means that you draft your player and you have him until you cut him or he retires. There are also Dynasty leagues that use contracts and caps and stuff like that where you may have a player that's on an expiring contract um, and you can't retain him. So let's say maybe it's Julio Jones, right? He's on a one-year deal. He's a free agent after this year. And you're out of the playoffs. And you look at a guy that has, say, an OBJ with three years left, and maybe he's got another you know, low-end tight end or running back you know, three that you kind of like or something like that. That's where you try to make that trade because normally you wouldn't be able to trade your three-year OBJ for Julio Jones. But this year with how OBJ is performing, if that team is a clear-cut playoff caliber team, they'll make that deal. They will buy one year, at least they should, buy one year of Julio Jones um, for his consistency and upside versus what OBJ is giving you so far. Yeah, and I, I think there's really a lot of owners that have soured on OBJ this year because they're they're not sure that Baker Mayfield is the answer in Cleveland, yep. and they're not sure that Baker Mayfield and, and Beckham will ever truly be on the same page. Now, I'm one of the few people that's more than willing to buy both of them at this point because, again, they can't possibly be any worse than they've been so far this year. True. All right, so look, I've got a list that I scribbled down, four people at each position. Let's start with running back. I'll give you a couple. Okay. I'll give you some of the names I've got, and then you can kind of chime in on them. But these two guys are veteran guys. They have roles. One may not be on the same team next year. Might be a little injured. The other is on a team that's not playing very well. Just scored his first touchdown. So it's Joe Mixon and David Johnson. If either of those players are on a playoff caliber team, are you trading something of an asset that will help somebody this year to get those guys because you think that they've got better prospects next year? Well, I think if you can still get Joe Mixon at this point, I'd definitely go out and get him. Uh, with the last two weeks, obviously, the Bengals have shown a commitment to getting him involved in the offense, both on the ground and through the passing game, and it's resulted in some very good effects. Now, earlier in the season, they weren't doing that. They just weren't giving him the load. And they're basically trying to win ball games with Andy Dalton throwing the ball 60 times. And that's not a winning success uh, for any team. Now, Dalton has been benched. Uh, I don't see any reason for them to go back to him this year. Uh, Ryan Finley probably isn't the overall answer there. He does have a decent arm, but he, he's looked very overmatched in his two, in his two appearances so far uh, against subpar defenses, I might add. So I'm, I'm I'm a little concerned about what effect he'll have there. But even when faced with the thought of, well, defenses have to stop Joe Mixon and just let Ryan Finley beat them, Joe Mixon's actually gotten it done the last two weeks. So uh, if you can convince people to still be wary of Joe Mixon at this point, I, I'm all about going to get him. Now, as for David Johnson, uh, David Johnson, uh, his last touch a couple of weeks ago, he just, he, he looked completely disinterested. Uh, he looked, Fat and happy, and it, it, it wasn't happy because he was on the field. It was happy because he'd cashed his paychecks. 
Yeah. I, I just I, – I, I, he's so young and he's got a ton of talent. But even on a different team, I just – I mean, if he can't get it going on an offense like that where guys like Kenyon Drake and, and Chase Edmond are producing just really, really solid yard per carry type lines. And, and again, that offense is high octane. If, if he wasn't able to get done there – I don't think he's going to get done anywhere. And again, that's assuming that Cliff Kingsbury remains the coach there. We we don't know. I mean, he, he sure has looked appropriate this year. But again, we could say that about a lot of coaches in this league. So here's what I'll go back and say. With Mixon, if you're going to try and buy him, you need to really harp on the fact that in week 15, he faces the Patriots. And you have to sell that to that owner saying, you're not going to get much from him that week, and you know you need week 15 to get to the to the championship game. So that's your selling point for Mixon. As for Johnson, I don't know that I buy that he's 100% healthy. And just based on his upside, you probably can get him for pennies on the dollar. Um, if you're willing to give a running back three for him, probably, I, I think I would do it. Um, here's I, to, I, I, I can seriously tell you, I've actually seen a couple leagues where he's been dropped outright. Yeah, that's something I wouldn't no. do in a dynasty league. <laughs> I, I could uh, – I mean, I, I suppose maybe I'd give up a running back three for him. But Remember, you're out of that's, it. You're, you're out of it, right? The running back three is not going to be somebody that helps you next year. But it could help that person in the playoffs this year. I just don't see why you don't make that play because we know what Johnson could do if he's healthy and on the, a team that wants to commit to him. I think it's worth the shot. I suppose if someone's willing to offer me David Johnson for Brian Hill, I'd probably do that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, speaking of Brian Hill, he's a handcuff. That leads me to my other two guys that are handcuffs, actually, that I'm trading away if I own them and I don't own the person that they need to be handcuffed to. That's Madison and Pollard. I'm shopping each one of those to the Zeke and Cook owners and getting whatever I can get. It doesn't have to be a piece that will – Help me next year. It has to be a piece that I can maybe package with another piece to help me next year. Well, and realistically, I think at this point you can get more for either of those two than you can get for David Johnson. That's pros- That's possible. Because those teams, if they do have Zeke and if they do have Delvin Cook, they know, they absolutely know the potential terror they're facing if their running back gets hurt. Or B, if their running back doesn't play week 16 or if your league is ancient and plays in week 17. Exactly. So there are two guys that – so the first two guys were buys. The next two guys are sells as far as I'm concerned. At wide receiver, they're all buys that I have. And we talked about one. OBJ is one of them. Um, Then it's targeting underperforming and injured type guys. I've got Adam Thielen, who, of course, is the injured guy. Allen Robinson, who's underperforming due to his quarterback play, and then Juju Smith-Schuster, who's underperforming because of quarterback play. Thoughts? I think that uh, it's it's pretty safe to say that Adam Thielen will be back uh, after the bye here. In fact, the coach's right common record is saying that that was the case. I think if this past week was a need-to-win game, he probably would have even suited up this past week, but... Uh, uh, again, not not a not not a high risk that he'll be back uh, that he won't be back next week. And realistically, when he's played this year, he's played pretty good. So I think his presence on the field certainly 
helps that of on Diggs too, because that opens up coverage for Diggs, and we're not forced to see Kirk Cousins try to fit the ball into guys like Laquan Treadwell and OLBC Johnson. It does, but here's the sell. This, if you're if you're the one that wants to buy Thielen, you have to sell that owner that has him that's going to the playoffs on the fact that he was dealing with a soft tissue injury, and we know that those can be finicky. And yes, he's supposed to be back from after the bye, but what if he's not? And our trade deadline's going to close, or I'm going to say this deal doesn't last past you know this Friday. I think that's your chance that you can still help yourself out and help them out at the same time. The best thing you can get in that situation is if your Thielen owner is in a must-win game right now. If he yes. if he is one of those six and five teams or seven and four teams kind of on the bubble of your playoffs, and he needs to win this week, which is of course the bye week, then definitely go all in after him. And again, you can offer him a guy, a guy that uh, uh, may be overperforming right now and, and get Thielen because Thielen, and particularly in PPR formats, is going to have value. He, he's not an old receiver by any stretch of the imagination. And we've still got Kirk Cousins under contract here in Minnesota for at least one more season. So the odds are he's going to be a decent performer next season too. You could probably give a John Brown up for Adam Thielen right now if, if that owner is in a Oh, easily. Game. So um, what about Allen Robinson? Um, like you said in the news, they benched Trubisky due to a hip injury. I'm of the belief that I think they will have a new starting quarterback next year in Chicago. Um, Allen Robinson balled out earlier this year, even with Trubisky wasn't playing great. Um, I just think with a good quarterback – Robinson's a guy that you can really build your wide receiver core around. So if the team that has him is looking you know, to make a playoff run, they're not relying on him right now. So if you give them something that's like a John Brown or you know, a Cole Beasley, a Jamison Crowder, you might be able to, to nab Allen Robinson because of that. Well, what did Allen Robinson do to deserve to have – Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky <laughs> as his quarterbacks in his career. Yeah, yeah, that makes you question the guy's character, I guess. Exactly. And so, again, well, let's put it this way. Let's say that they do draft a different quarterback there next year. You've got a new rookie quarterback who will learn the system, and he may have to deal well, with a bridge a quarterback there. Wait a minute. You're assuming that it's a drafted quarterback. What if it's Cam Newton? Well, it's Cam Newton. That'd be kind of nice. Uh, but, again, there's there's questions about how much is left in Cam's tank at this true. point, too. Very true. Uh, but let's let's say, let's say it is Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton has always been able to survive one quality wide receiver one and not much else. And when you look at the Chicago Bears, they've got one quality wide receiver one and realistically not much else. So I, I guess he's got some value there. Uh I think that you can probably buy Robinson and you can probably buy him at probably wide receiver three value right now, which is, which is a good buy. Yeah, but exactly. I still, I don't love him for next year. Okay. I, as, as much as I was actually, I mean, this is the second year in a row where I've drafted Robinson hoping for some value, pick, picked him up as a wide receiver two the last two years, but he's, he's burned me so badly the last two years that, I personally would have a hard time being being a too big of a buyer on him, but I certainly see the potential value there. I got it. 
So now this, the last guy is going to be a hard sell because whoever owns him remembers last year. You know, you got Juju Smith, Schuster, and he's easily a top five to ten guy when and if things are clicking. But if they're, they're not clicking right now, that's what you have to key on when you're making these deals or attempting to make these deals. Do you want him to be your anchor in the playoffs? And by anchor, I mean pull you down. Or do you want me to give you somebody like a Kenny Galladay and another player, you know, give you two guys that you can plug in and safely get production with that will help you possibly get through the playoffs? It's a harder buy, but it's one that's still worth looking at. I think that a lot of that comes down to, again, how much you trust the likelihood of Ben Roethlisberger coming back next year. And then again, even if he does, how much do you trust that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to develop into a guy who can be a wide receiver one on the team without a complimentary receiver such as Antonio Brown? Yeah. Now, obviously, there's pieces in place there. James Washington has looked good with Mason Rudolph at the helm. Deontay Johnson has looked good uh, this year in bits and pieces, but now he's uh, probably questionable for the rest of the season with the following his major concussions sustained on Thursday night football. Um, you kind of got to wonder to yourself. It's like, we've only seen Juju Smith Schuster have like two or three games where he has been the true number one wide receiver with no legitimate compliment. And is that a big enough sample size to keep him in your like wide receivers one through five for dynasty purposes, considering the question marks surrounding Roethlisberger's future. Well, At this point, I think that there's other wide receivers that may have moved into that comp that conversation this season that may have knocked Smith-Schuster out of the top five as, as far as dynasty keepers go at the wide receiver position and down maybe around maybe wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11. So that, that begs me to chime in with this. When you're dealing in dynasty – if Juju Smith-Schuster was a knockout, guaranteed to be top five player, you're not getting him, right? You're just you're not. It doesn't matter how much you try to bank, break the bank. Most owners don't part with players like that. So your Allen Robinsons and your Juju Smith-Schusters and your OBJs, where you have to speculate, you have to be a little more speculative on them, that's what you're doing. You're hoping that you hit more than you lose more when you speculate on a, on a player. So. Yeah, I think though, if I'm going to sell a guy like a Kenny Galladay, I think you're right. You have to get more than just Smith-Schuster for Galladay. You have to get Galladay uh, for Smith-Schuster and some other lottery ticket. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> but you know what? You've never made a deal that you don't try to make. So, I mean, again, if, if I'm trading, say, a player who's like white hot right now, but hasn't got his own dynasty potential build behind him. Let's say, hmm, of course, think of him off the uh, Robert Woods. Okay. Say, say I was still on. Obviously, we don't know what happened with Robert Woods yesterday. Sounds like it was just a personal issue. But uh, he, he's actually played pretty good without Brandon Cooks there in that lineup. And I, I would arguably say he's played better than Cooper Cup over the last month and a half. Now, so let's say you've got Mr. Robert Woods in your team, and uh, it turns out that whatever this issue was this past week was just a fluke. And if you can give him up, or if you can give up, say, 
Stefan Diggs and get Juju Smith-Schuster. I'd probably do that. What about DJ Chark? Would you give up DJ Chark? And maybe a veteran. I think I would. I, I, I like. I'll be the first one to admit I'm kind of a DJ Chark rube. Yeah. But at the same time, I also know that there's. I mean, it's he again. He doesn't have that full right book on him. What about DJ Chark for OBJ? I would do that in a heartbeat to get OBJ if I was. I would players. do that at this point. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yes. And I guarantee again, you, I still I still find OBJ as a top five receiver for and, the dynasty purposes. And I'll guarantee you, ninety nine point nine percent of OBJ owners that are making a playoff run or are in the playoffs, firmly entrenched in it, would probably make that trade also. Exactly. All right, let's run over to tight end. Most of the tight ends that I picked are underperforming and or injured. Um, George Kittle. We don't know how much longer he's going to be out, right? His team. Uh, I'm. <laughs> go ahead. I think that he could be back as, as early as uh, two weeks out. But again, yeah, it's, th- these are key games. And yes. again, if, if, you, if you look at the available tight ends to play this week, it is absolutely abysmal. Yep. I'm, we're, we're talking Ryan Griffin is going to be a top five tight end this week. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you can give up a Dawson Knox, um, help me out here, a Mark Andrews, um, maybe even a Dallas Goddard or even a Zach Ertz possibly, right? To well, get, if, I, if, if, I, if someone would give me a Kittle for Zach Ertz, I would, I would like not pass go to not collect $200. I'd just immediately hit accept, 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 slam accept as many times as I could. Uh, <laughs> I would love. I would love to see that offer come in my inbox to take my Zach Ertz in exchange for someone's George Kittle. Right, uh, right. but if you're the Mark Kittle, Andrews, but if, wait a minute, uh, hold on, wait, hold on though. But if you're the Kittle owner, okay, if you're the Kittle owner and you know you're in the playoffs and you're looking, going, oh man, I can't afford to be without a performing tight end. You know, that's been a big part of my team, and I'm out of it, and I have Zach Ertz, and I offer you Ertz for Kittle. You going to take that? I think you should consider it. Oh, you, de- you definitely got to consider it. Uh, now, let me preface this with uh, the fact that I re- personally, I refuse to do that because I'm the guy who likes to go out and stream tight ends. Right. And in a, in a lot of formats, you can find a tight end available, i.e. going out and picking up Ross Dwelly and <laughs> starting him for your team and watching him uh, absolutely blow up against the Arizona. I mean, you, you just look at it. I mean, find whatever tight end is facing Arizona or Tampa Bay or Seattle each week and just put them in your lineup. You, you're, you're going to get decent production. You, you might not get George Kittle as prime production, but you're going to get decent production. And then again, I mean, it's like if you are truly concerned about Kittle, uh, go ahead. I mean, deal him away. And again, take, take my Zach Ertz, please. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, it's probably a long shot that somebody will deal for him, but it's worth exploring. Again, it depends on the scenarios. And I guess maybe I play in too many 16-team leagues because I'm just used to never seeing anything on the waiver wire. Um, But that's beside the point. So another guy that I have on my list that's injury um, reasons that I have him is Evan Ingram. Again, performing well when he's in there, got a good young quarterback. Um, has shown you know decent when he's in the game with him, 
but he might be out. He might be back this week, but it's a foot injury. And you know that something like that can always flare back up. So, again, I'm looking to that guy that has him, and if I can offer up, you know, a solid performing guy, when I think Ingram's a top four, top five tight end going forward in Dynasty, i probably do it. I, I could definitely see that. Uh, I Again, I, same thing. You see Daniel Jones, you at least feel somewhat confident and competent in his ability as a quarterback. He's obviously looked to Ingram a lot when Ingram was out there. Uh, so Ingram's one of those guys that I feel he can buy and feel fairly confident in. Uh, much like Kittle, I think they both have a long career ahead of themselves. Uh, whereas, uh, again, they both have good quarterbacks. They both have good complementary pieces. And they're both in good offenses in general. So, yeah, again, if there's a way to get Evan Ingram uh, from an owner, I would be all over that. And unfortunately, so all the all the news right now is that he is going to play this week. Uh, I think the best way to maybe sell the Ingram owner on that is again, sell the fact that it is a potential lingering injury. It could yep. He could be pulled from a game at any point in time. Sell the fact that Sterling Shepard is also due back this week, so maybe yep. the combination of having Shepard and Tate out on the field with him will distract a little bit from from his targets. But again, look at the fact that uh, next year there's a good chance Tate won't be there anymore, so it'll just be Engram and, and Shepard again yep. with uh, the first in second year guy Darius Slayton. And the last two guys I have, you get penny, you get for pennies on the dollar, and these are guys that you have to look at if you're in a position where. Jason Witten's your starting tight end. Jack Doyle's one of your tight ends. Maybe even Eric Ebron. Um, stuff like that, right? Where you're in that tight end purgatory. I'm yep. offering pennies on the dollar to try and see if I can't roster um, Herndon from the Jets and O.J. Howard, who wound up getting benched this weekend. <laughs> I, I think my news item last week said something about O.J. Howard having no catches this past week, and uh, yeah. sure enough, he didn't. Uh, say, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, OJ Howard's been cut in a lot of leagues. Uh, I cut him myself in a couple of dynasty leagues. I, I, I think I've moved on from. And what's what's crazy here is Tampa Bay could have traded OJ Howard to the Patriots for a second round pick. Yep, and the Patriots would have done it in a heartbeat, and they didn't do it. <laughs> well. There's too much and talent. And everyone, there. everyone would be happier right now. Yeah, there's, there's too Cameron much. Cameron Brait would be happy. Winston would be happy. The Buccaneers would be happy because they've got a second-round pick. The Patriots would be happy because they wouldn't have to wait out Rob Gronkowski and see what he's going to say tomorrow morning. He's not coming <laughs> back. He's not coming back. I picked him up in one league. It's not happening. <laughs> Come on. The man's been, I'm sorry, he can't pass a drug test. I have no direct knowledge of that, but I'm telling you, the man <laughs> can't pass a drug test. Um, all right, so I get well, I guess it. I, mean he, I guess that means he won't be appearing at Survivor Series for uh, Vince McMahon then either. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, there, that's my list. And, again, I know Howard has been severely underperforming. Yeah, he may get cut in some leagues, but the talent's there. It's worth, if you're not making the playoffs, it's worth seeing what happens in the offseason. Oh, the, the talent is obviously there. I mean, think about it. We both had him ranked in our top six tight ends coming into the season. Don't remind and, and me. Don't it, remind it wasn't me. just us. True. All, all of the fantasy experts had, had him ranked high, top six, top seven at least. And, again, he lo he's looked very, very good when he's gotten the chance. But for whatever reason, he's, he's just not getting a chance there in Tampa Bay. And, like I said, it, it's, 
absolutely just ridiculous that they refused to trade him at the trade deadline this year if they weren't going to be playing him regularly. I actually think that the NFL needs to move their trade deadline back some. But anyway, that's fine. Listen, we have gone definitely long with this segment. We're 40 minutes in. we still got to do our DFS parts. But hopefully um, that little segment on you know, playing for next year in dynasty leagues helps people at least to understand to look at things a little bit differently. And maybe we help you win next year if we couldn't help you win this year. But with that said, it is time to go where you don't have to start OJ Howard ever if you don't want to. And that's DFS set. Okay. First, well, it's going to say we can go, we can go to DFS where we can start a guy like Ross Dwelly. That's true. Um, and, uh, for any new listeners we have, again, Harley and I do not discuss our picks in advance of what we're doing, likes, dislikes, etc., with DFS. So with that, Harley's going to set an over-under of what we will agree on this week. I have the, oh, well, I should say I have, the, the Vegas Information Network has the over-under at four and a half right now. 4.5. Okay, one, two. I'm going to take the under this week. Okay. Watch us nail it. Watch us have seven. Well, I'll just tell you right now who I'm paying up for a quarterback. Give me all the chalk. Give me Matt Ryan. That is our first match. Uh, Matt Ryan versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay continues to be my whipping boy for quarterbacks. They're allowing the second most passing yards per game, the second most passing touchdowns per game, including 20 passing touchdowns over their last six games. If you're going to, I mean, Ryan, that, that offense there has actually looked better. Obviously they didn't have much going in far in run game this past week. You won't be able to get a run game started against Tampa because they're actually really good against the run. That means that Ryan's going to be forced to throw the ball and he's going to throw the ball a lot. Yep. Yeah. I had a feeling we were going to get right off on a good foot there. Um, so my stay away was a little more difficult, but not really. Um, I considered two people, and give me one second here because I'll pull something up so I can reference it. Um, the first guy that I considered that I didn't go with um, is a quarterback that is yet to throw for 300 yards in his NFL career, but he makes up for a lot of things with his legs, um, and that is Josh Allen, but he's not who I ultimately picked. But facing a Broncos team, even though they're in Buffalo, a little bit scary. Um, I'm going for a guy that I think a lot of people might start thinking that the team he's facing has had issues in the secondary and they're an easy you know, team to face. And, but I'm staying away from Russell Wilson. I know he's a different quarterback. Oh, wow. That, that isn't the guy I chose. But the way you're describing it, I thought we were going to match. Really? Okay. So what I was going to say was so, Russell's not the same quarterback that Tom Brady is. But the Eagles really have and do look better in the secondary, and the defense overall can stop the run, um, and they can get after the quarterback a little bit. So it's not that I don't like Russell. I just don't know that I like him at 68 and 8,200 as the top-paid, top-priced quarterback on the board. So tell me, who was I describing that you thought I was talking about? I thought you were going to talk about Jameis Winston at Atlanta. Yo, that's yeah, No, yeah. Atlanta has allowed back-to-back 300-yard passers. But he's shut out both Kyle Allen and Drew Brees in those two games. Yes, that is true. And, and in general, they're not giving up wide receiver touchdowns. They've given up zero 
or one wide receiver touchdown in seven games this year. Everyone thinks Atlanta's secondary is so awful. They're giving up yards, but they're not giving up a ton of touchdowns. So, again, that price tag. Uh, plus, I, I think, I mean, obviously, since uh, the, the defensive play calling has gone back to the, the defensive coordinator there, uh, they've been playing with much more aggression. They've been blitzing a lot more. And Jameis Winston just makes far too many mistakes in the passing game, too. Yeah, in the last two weeks, they've got something like 12, 13, 14 sacks. And previous to that, for the entire year, they only had, I think, seven. Um, they oh, plus, they, they picked Kyle Allen four times. Yeah. And what's Jameis Winston known for? Um, interceptions, I think. So, yeah. Now, the other guy I considered, too, was Dak Prescott against New England. Yes. He, he was on my short list. I just didn't write him down. But, yes, I can see that, too. Um, value play. I actually had Dak also written as a possible value play, but then crossed him out and said, nah, just that's too contrarian. And it's this, it's, it's new England and it's in new England. So I definitely don't like Dak. Um, but I, had, I am going to go for a guy that is coming off a poor game as my value play. I think Carson Wentz is in line for a good game this week. And the reason being is he had a bad game against new England, but there were a lot of throws that he missed. And by missed, I don't mean, the ones that he overthrew or underthrew. I'm talking about the guy that was open that he didn't hit in the flat and the running backs and stuff like that. And I think this week, go in the film room. They need a win. Seattle can be beat by the tight end. That's the, that's the Eagles' best spot right now because they're hurting at wide receiver, of course. So I think Goddard and Ertz could have big weeks. With that, I'm going to tab Wentz as my value play. I actually kind of agree with that. I went way, 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 way down the value price this week for my uh, value play quarterback. I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins versus Detroit. You're dirty. There's no way. I am very dirty. Detroit has allowed 18 passing touchdowns and only one interception over their last six games. That span of games included big games by Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, and the previously mentioned Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. So now, hold on a second. I just, I have to ask. Are you aware that when Darius Geis scored on a 45-yard pass play from Haskins, I believe it was a a screen pass, actually, or, or just not a very long pass that Geis actually took to the house, that that was the first touchdown that the Redskins as a team had scored in 16 quarters or, to break that down, the equivalent to four games. Or the equivalent of one quarter of a NFL season. And you're going with Dwayne well, Haskins? That, that, just, that just it sums up the fact that how importantly, how, how better their offense can be now going forward, having a, a true uh, potential franchise quarterback, his, his collegiate teammate at wide receiver one, and... The oft-injured but certainly game game-breaking new running back Darius Geis in his first what? game or second game back now. Wait a minute. Wait. A minute. You mean <laughs> you mean that former wide receiver teammate that went three for sixty-nine against the Jets? Exactly. Okay. All right. Hey, your money. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I'm just messing with you, but I just Washington's a mess, man. I'd stay. I'm staying away from them, whatever I can. I don't yeah. even look at their team. All right, so well, you know you can always be the contrarian play there and take uh, Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, there you go. All at right. home versus 
Uh, no, I guess it's out. It's in Washington. So, so we're one for three. My under's looking good right now. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to match two out of three, maybe three out of three at, at running back. If that happens, I'm in trouble. Um, I guarantee we're not doing three out of three. Okay. So I'm paying up for Alvin Kamara this week at home. That is a match. I figured it would be. Go ahead. Tell people why. Over their last five games, Carolina Panthers have given up 13 running back touchdowns in three career games against Carolina. Kamara has four touchdowns. Plus, Kamara finally got a full workload again last week. He had 23 touches, including 10 receptions. It's actually the fifth time this year that he's had seven or more receptions, despite missing three full games. So he's always been involved in the passing game. He's now finally getting all the running touches again. Uh, Latavius Murray goes back to being just a backup. And again, this is a blow-up opportunity for him against a very, very bad run defense. Okay. So I also wanted to give... Nick Chubb, a little bit of love. He's got a great matchup also. Um, as my stay away, I have two guys. And I had to default to the more expensive guy. But the first guy I looked at, at staying away from, and there's three of them actually, but Ezekiel Elliott going into New England. I just don't see Zeke having a good game. But Christian McCaffrey at 10-5 across both sites going into New Orleans I just can't pay that price for that against that defense. We've got two for two at running back so far. Again, like I said, I'll have some exposure to McCaffrey because we know what he can do. Yeah. And again, McCaffrey was part of Hedge. the great lineup that helped me take down every single large GPP tournament on fan ball this past weekend. Repeat that. I took down all three of the highest paying GPP tournaments on fanball.com this past weekend with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. I will only have minimal exposure to him this week though. 10, five is a high price to pay. New Orleans is elite against the one since week three, New Orleans are allowing only 47 rushing yards per game. Only two backs have scored against them on the ground during that stretch. Now they do give up some receiving yards and receptions to backs. And that's where you're going to still get some value for McCaffrey, but there is, Whereas previous weeks, uh, he could have a bad week and still give you three times the value. I, I just don't see three times the value there this week. Okay. Here goes three for three. I lied. I'm going with Darius Geis as my value play this week against the Lions. <laughs> we do have three for three. Okay. <laughs> D- Detroit, they're allowing 164 yards per game to opposing running backs. Over the last six games, they have given up 11 total running back scores, including six through the air. Now, whether or not Adrian Peterson continues to play, Geis will be the primary receiving back for Washington the rest of the way. And as absolutely slow and disinterested as Peterson looked this past week, it's not going to be long before Geis is the every down back there. Okay, I told you we were going to sweep it. Now I'm, now I'm in trouble. I thought for sure there was no way you're going to go with Geis after our earlier talk there on Dwayne Haskins. But. Yeah. Um, I, cause I didn't think I had to say how much I hate the Redskins, and it's only because of price that I like him. Um, and it is a great matchup. Okay, paying, <laughs> it's a great matchup and a great price. Paying up. I think I've paid up for Michael Thomas like each of the last two or three weeks, and it's worked out pretty daggone well. Um, but I'm not paying up for him this week. But I'm going close to top salary. 
I want every lineup that I can get Julio Jones in to be in against that Tampa Bay secondary. We've got a match, and I think that hits the over, right? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Over their last three contests, Tampa Bay has allowed opposing wide receiver ones to record 27 catches, 404 yards, and six touchdowns. In 14 career games versus Tampa Bay, Jones is averaging seven catches for 121 yards with 11 total touchdowns. Nine of those games, he's had over 100 yards receiving. Six of those games, he's had over 130 yards receiving. If Julio Jones is going to score again this year, it's going to be this week. <laughs> and, and the 100 yards is a given. This could be his 200-yard week, too. Um, he has one 250-plus-yard game in his career against Tampa as well. Yep. Okay. Hey, do you, do you realize last week or this week, depending on how you want to look at it, week 11, is the first game that the Falcons have played outside all year so far? I did not realize it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Okay. So at my stay away, I have a guy that I wrote down and I went, I got to cross him out because I think it, he may be dealing with an injury and that could impact things. And I think it'd be a little bit of a lame, you know, to take him as my stay away if he's got an injury that he's dealing with. So I went a little bit deeper down. Tyler Lockett is who I was going to put as my stay away because I think a lot of people think he's a good play against that Eagles secondary, and I'm just not sure that I buy that, but this, the injury is what's got me concerned. So I'm just going to pause on Tyler Lockett. And instead, a guy that's had a huge week this week, um, and he's priced high now. So it's, let's see, three, six. He's priced inside the top ten. Um, I'm staying away from John Brown at home in Buffalo against the Denver defense. I can totally understand that because you're thinking that John Brown will struggle in single coverage against Chris Harris. Yes. But I'd like to add that Chris Harris was burned four times this past weekend by Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is a big possession receiver. He's not a speed receiver and he burned Chris Harris. Chris Harris is not as good as Chris Harris thinks he is. So I, I don't love John Brown at that price, but I don't hate him either. <laughs> So let me see. I, I also took a cop out though. I'd stay away. I'm, I'm going with a guy who's a little dinged up, and it's clear by now that the injuries have, have taken their toll on his body. Uh, plus, he's going to be lined up opposite Stephon Gilmore, and that's Amari Cooper at New England. There you go. That's the. the I'm. I don't know why I didn't come up with him. Maybe because he was priced below John Brown. Um, the other thing that was, I, I would also like to add, though, another guy to consider staying away from. Again, he, it looks like he might be a good matchup because, again, you're thinking Tampa Bay Atlanta is going to be a high-scoring game. I would be hesitant about playing Chris Godwin at his price tag. Uh, wide receiver twos are just not getting it done at the same rate they were earlier this year against them. Earlier this year, it was wide receiver twos doing all the damage against them, and wide receiver ones were struggling. But over the last five weeks, it's been the exact opposite. And in general, again, I'll mention it, the last five weeks, Atlanta's given up two wide receiver touchdowns, and they both occurred in the same game. So it's four of the last five weeks, no wide receiver has scored a touchdown against them. Okay, so I'm going to give one more reason why I'm staying away from Smokey. Um, what is the worst condition to impact a football game in your eyes from an elements-type standpoint? Wind, rain, snow. Which one? Uh, if you're talking about from a passing game at least it would have to be wind exactly it is projected to be 13 mile an hour wind gusts i know it doesn't seem like a lot but 13 mile an hour winds 
in Buffalo this coming week. It's going to be balmy. It'll be in the 30s, but just put that all together. I just I don't see it as a good game for John Brown. Um, my value play, I had a guy, I think, I don't know if I used him last week or I talked about him, but he hit. He got a touchdown. Unfortunately, it was his only catch, and it was only six yards, Robbie Anderson, but I'm not using him, but I think he's a good play this week. Um, instead, I'm going to go to a guy that's got a great matchup and I believe a different quarterback starting for him this week, Taylor Gabriel against the Giants. Well, so when it comes to the value plays this week, I, I considered Taylor Gabriel. I considered James Washington, who might be the only healthy receiver in Pittsburgh against Cincinnati this week. Uh, but I, I ultimately went way down the list again. I, I'm trying to get my values deep, deep, deep this week. And so I'm going with Hunter Renfro at the Jets. Now, hear me out on this one. Prior to shutting out the Redskins receivers last week, the Jets had allowed 10 wide receiver touchdowns over their previous three games. Five of those touchdowns went to number two outside receivers, much like Renfro. Okay. Yeah, week seven through nine, the Jets are third in points allowed to wide receivers, so I can definitely see that. Um, I've missed on Renfro when I've played him and when I've not played him this year, so maybe that's why I kind of look away from him. Um, but, yeah, I can see that, and Carr's playing pretty well. They're passing the ball. The offense goes pretty well, and it's, it's a home game this week, right? Or they they are at really? the Jets, I believe. They're at the Jets. Okay. Um, okay. I could still get on board with that, especially at that price. So now tight end. Um, one guy who's the most expensive player on the board, we both agree that we probably won't look at due to injury, and that's Hunter. I'm Hunter. That's Austin Hooper. Reports are he didn't practice Wednesday, but they're not ruling out that he'll practice Thursday, Friday. I'm not buying it, so I'm going to act like he doesn't exist. I'm in the same boat, and, and uh, inconspicuously, I actually forgot to list him on the <coughs> DraftKings list this week. But yes, I <coughs> excuse me, I highly doubt he plays this week. When he first hurt himself, the rumors were four weeks up to a month. This has only been a week and a half. I don't think they're serious about playing him. Obviously, coach speak, they're going to go on the record and say, oh, he could probably be back. He should be back, whatnot. Wait till Friday. See if he's back. If he is back, it's actually a pretty good matchup. But yeah, I, I just I don't trust it. I agree. I don't either. So that's why I'm going to pay up for Zach Ertz, who had <coughs> what nine catches for ninety some yards against um, the Patriots and Stephon Gilmore. Um, he's facing a Seahawks team that year to date has given up the ninth most points to tight ends. So I don't love a lot of those. Top end plays. I'm going to plug Ertz in this week. Well, there's your sell technique right there to get people to buy Ertz from you when you, they're sitting on Kittle and his possible missed game there. Exactly. But it's not a match, is it? I. It's not a match. I, I don't dislike Zach Ertz this week, but uh, <clears throat> there's one player that's <laughs> somehow or another he's ranked seventh or eighth right now on DraftKings price-wise that uh, – had a great week last week, and I absolutely love his matchup this week, and that's Ryan Griffin at home versus Oakland. That plays in Oakland the is, that plays oh. in the why I like Herndon so much for next year. But go ahead. Oakland has allowed six different teams to top sixty receiving yards with their tight ends. They've given up seven tight end touchdowns this year, and Griffin scored twice last week. Clearly, as Darnold's trust. 
Oh, by the way, over his last uh, four games, he's also topped 50 yards three different times. So Griffin's definitely involved in that passing game. No Herndon, no one else in that offense on, from a tight end standpoint to really worry about. Uh, Griffin's a nice play here. So, yeah, I don't disagree with you on that, but you don't tell me that he winds up being your value play too because at $4,200, that's not much to pay up for. But, yes, that's how the position is. Um, two guys I was gonna, I've written down to stay away from. One, because of injury. I'm going to not count him, but that'd be Evan Ingram. Um, and the biggest reason to stay away from it is because of the injury. But I decided to stay away from Darren Waller this week. Um, not the best matchup in the world. The Jets have given up the um, fourth fewest points to fantasy tight ends this year. And I just don't think it's worth trying to force Waller into a lineup. We do have a match there. Uh, only two teams have tight end touchdowns against the Jets. Only four teams have topped 40 receiving yards with tight ends against them. Uh, plus, there's this weird island of Foster Moreau that keeps appearing, <laughs> stealing one-yard touchdowns from Darren Waller. Yep. So the value play, I did not see who I really wanted to make my value play because you cut him off. So I had to go to another player who made the list from the same team, which means I think we could match. Um, but I wanted to pick Matt Lacoste as my value play. Um, but instead, I'm going with Ben Watson as my value play. I, I did consider Ben Watson. <clears throat> I, I have zero faith in Matt Lacoste, but I can understand the desire to play him. I went under the assumption that Austin Hooper will not play this week. And I'm going to go with Jaden Graham. Opposing tight ends are averaging six catches and 74 yards per game against Tampa Bay. They've allowed seven tight end touchdowns over their last eight games. And Graham, well, he only had two catches last week. But that's two more catches than any other Atlanta tight end had. With Hooper out once again, which is what I'm expecting, Graham should get a little bit more play. He's got to think about the fact, this was Graham's first game up with the varsity here. He literally just got activated off their practice squad two weeks ago. So he hasn't had a lot of time to, to get comfortable working with Matt Ryan. In fact, that first week back, he was probably working more with Schaub than he was with Ryan. But now that he has established some trust, he's played there. He played most of the snaps as the receiving tight end this past week. Obviously, Luke Stocker still remains a factor. But he's always been a, a more of a pass blocker than a pass catcher. So, again, Graham is 3,300 and 4,500. Anytime you can get a tight end on FanDuel for under 5,000 with a legitimate chance to score, you should take advantage of it. And my last pitch for Ben Watson slash Matt Lacoste, um, the only teams to have given up more points to fantasy tight ends this year than the Cowboys are the Buccaneers and Cardinals. Just saying. Exactly. Totally. So. There you have totally it. Totally agree. There you have it. We hit the over at five. I actually thought we were going to blow it out of the water once we went three for three at, at the running back position. Um, but, hey, still hit the over. That doesn't happen very often. Anyway, with that said, um, if you have any questions throughout the week, you can hit Harley up on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. If you aren't a member of the huddle, get off your butt, get your wallet out, and get subscribed. You will not regret it. And, of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Gallo NFL. Um, and you know what? If you are in a dynasty league, go see what you can do to trade, to make your team better for next year. If you're not in the playoffs now, it gives you something to play for. And if you're not in a dynasty league, 
Get off your butt. Go make one. Go get in one. You'll never experience anything like it. It's much better than redraft leagues. Yes, there I said it. Um, the only thing better than a dynasty league is a dynasty IDP league. There I said that too. And I'll tell you what else I'm going to say. Empire League. Empire League. I was saying what else I'll tell you is, as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>